I didn't bring my jingle bell prop. Did that sound like it at all? No, not really. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Any better? No, that just sounded like maybe tap shoes. Okay, you tell me. Tell me how you do a jingle bell sound. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle bell rock. Jingle bell swing when Aaron can't do a voice. <laughs> and when Elizabeth can't do sound effects. The jingle hop has begun. <laughs> or at least our intro has begun. Yeah, uh, what's your favorite uh, Christmas activity that we've done so far this year? You know, I think my favorite thing so far this year that we've done for Christmas has honestly been cleaning the garage. I know what you're going to say now, Elizabeth. That has nothing to do with Christmas. Agreed. But I think the best thing about Christmas is, uh, you know, the giving and receiving of gifts. And uh, in the way that your father gave to us his time, he also gifted to us the gift of an actual garage, which we had the whole time but didn't know we had until we got rid of all the crap inside it. And suddenly, a Christmas miracle arrived. It's a Christmas miracle. God bless us, everyone. As far as a repeatable Christmas offering, though, I did very much uh, enjoy going to see a play. Uh, we went to go see the strange and unusual case of Mary and Joseph's baby which was put on by a local theater company here. And it was fun to go back to our theater days where you walk into an all-blacked-out room with folded chairs and sets made up from whatever things you could find and the lowering of lights. It's, it's all felt very personal, intimate, and it was a lot of fun to have. Yeah, it was. Um, it definitely brought me back to my, my high school theater days or even beyond when we would go to other shows like at Pellissippi or um, even at SCAD or something like that. So there were some fun production values where they used this separation in the stage as different things, where they used it as a, um, a river at one point or, uh, you know, just a dip in the house or something like that. It was kind of, it was kind of fun. There were some good things about it. There were some okay things about it. If uh, you know us, and after this many episodes, you really should, you know that Aaron <laughs> loves to pick apart things that he knows a lot about, and that is design, movies, and the theater. The theater. Yeah, I, um, I enjoyed it for the most part. Well, how about you, Aaron? What is your favorite Christmas thing that we have done so far? Honestly, I gotta say, I've enjoyed our um, work holiday parties so far. They've been a lot of fun. They've been... Um, well, they're both new. We've These are brand new jobs for both of us. So we've never been to this particular job's Christmas party before. That's true. That's very, very true. Um, I was heavily involved in my uh, Christmas party planning committee, and um, I was even the one that came up with the theme. for Which it. was, Aaron? Winter Wonder What We Do. Which was so great. And I do love how you managed to combine both a Christmas party and uh, more money, please, to your board of directors all into one cohesive uh, two-hour period. That was really effective. Yeah, yeah, with lots and lots of food and some fun activities. I'm now imagining our Christmas party, them walking in, and then halfway through just pulling down a 
projector from the ceiling and say, so I've called you all here to talk about a subject very near and dear to my heart. It is the Elizabeth Hines Library Fund. See how her shelves are too overstacked with books? Well, for only a mere five dollars a month you can help her build new shelves to accommodate her growing book obsession and in this presentation that's uh, only uh 60 points long in this essay i will conclude thank you for coming to my ted talk about the library that i need and how libraries are good for all of us so really cash money please oh man that's elizabeth and that's aaron and, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea, idea. You can find us on Facebook at Marriage to the Idea. You can email us at Marriage to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. And you can visit our website, Married to the Idea.weebly.com, for links to all of our previous episodes as well as other ways to contact us. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes. And coming finally to the end of season three. Yeah, this will be probably the last episode unless we randomly decide to do one more there might be one that we throw in at the end but so far uh w life has kind of uh found a way uh to we've been really busy yeah. you know we did a lot of christmas things we have done a lot of christmas things but usually we plan our christmas days out with an advent calendar and every day we do some christmas thing this month we were so busy we didn't have to do that we were already being pulled in 60 different holiday themed directions we actually have spent the month watching many a christmas movie trying to find a new christmas classic worthy of sharing to you because we could go on and on and we will go a little bit on and on about our two contenders that we were debating before we got to our winner but were they actually contenders though but i would say i would say in the spirit of christmas better to do something joyful than to rag on something so those will only be minor blips in an otherwise happy episode <laughs> Is it, though? Are you suggesting that it's going to be an hour and a half long extravaganza? No, I won't be that mean, because uh, the movie that we want to talk about is definitely worth talking about. Because so. you got really mad at Frozen 2, and every day since that day, you've gotten more and more angry about that film. Yeah, guys, it's it's a little worrying how mad I've gotten about Frozen 2, because everyone every time I keep hearing people talk about, oh, it's so good, I'm like, is it, though? Is I, it? I will say that at this point, when this releases, we will have seen the final Star Wars movie. And honestly, we never did talk about Last Jedi on the podcast. And I had thoughts. So maybe this will be finally the time, after a few spoiler-free weeks, to talk about Star Wars. Now, Aaron, you're looking at me like we had to have reviewed Last Jedi. I am... 100% positive we didn't because last time you said that we had we had already reviewed Mad Max Fury Road and we had not. And I was taken away from my talks about Charlize. No, we, we must have reviewed that already, Elizabeth. But are you sure? I well, maybe it's just the time that we talked, we sat in the parking lot and talked about the last time. <laughs> it could have just been the time where we do that all the time without a microphone present. So hard to say <laughs> when it's a podcast and when it's not. So before we get to the big kahuna, let us talk about some runner ups. Are you talking about some wings? No. Let's talk about That's some Christmas movie runner ups because even before November rolled around, there were a couple of movie trailers that came out on some streaming sites that we said, you know what, I wanna check these out. Some internet memes floating around that made me think, okay, these, this is worth checking out, at least for the humor factor. By trade, we are not Hallmark movie, Christmas movie viewers, so it kinda came into this um, a little 
too ready to rag on it, I think, in Aaron's case. But let's start with our first one, Aaron. Yeah, we use the worm runners up very, very loosely. I was willing to watch these in the fact that I wanted to destroy them later on. But as I watched them, I realized there wasn't much to talk about them, good or bad. <laughs> so um, the first one was Night Before Christmas, and it's spelled K-I- uh-oh. K-N-I-G-H-T. There you go. My brain short-circuited because I knew I missed the letter. You need some of my peppermint? No, I'm good. Um, so this movie is all the tropes and uh, hallmarks of a Hallmark Christmas movie without it actually being a Christmas or a Hallmark Christmas movie. No. In fact, it was produced and acted in by Vanessa Hudgens. That has nothing to do with it, that it's not a Hallmark Christmas movie. I don't think Hallmark hired her. She she has to do her own things. No, it's a Netflix movie. That's why. Yeah. She doesn't need Hallmark's money. She wants Netflix's money. (laughs) That's where the money's at. That's where the money's at, guys. Uh, But this definitely reeks of that kind of by-the-books, Hallmark-esque Christmas movie. Um, We, I wanted to watch one of those this year and just absolutely destroy it, but... Liz wanted to watch this one instead, so we watched. To be, fair, to be fair, to be fair, we did watch it based on a listicle from BuzzFeed about twenty-four laugh-worthy memes while watching the night before Christmas, and they were absolutely even without context. I love them. I would say the main problem facing the night before Christmas is timing, because I believe the chem- I believe the chemistry. And I even think that this story is a little fun. Even if it's not conveyed correctly, I like the ideas that are being thrown behind it. And there is general likability between our two leads and the people that she interacts with. I just feel like the timing is a little off when things that are supposed to be funny just linger too long or weird cuts or puppies that are explained away with Christmas magic and never brought up ever again. There's, there's something in here that I found enjoyable and nice not so much with Aaron. I, the reason that we could and I, I guess this is probably the best compliment I could give it. The reason we couldn't, or I couldn't record about this, is because it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was just competent enough. Yeah, in the uh, movie Parabola, uh, as uh, trademarked or thought of at, by friend of the podcast, Allie, of Area of Effect uh, Perfumery. Um, go check out her stuff. It's awesome. The parabola is you've got your best movies of all time, and her best, one of her best movies of all time is Princess Bride. You've got your, like, bad, 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 bad movies, like the Twilight movies. Um, I think that's the ones that she used. But you got your movies that are just, like, they're trying, but they're still really bad. And then you've got your movies that come back up that are so bad that they're good. Um, and those would be your rooms, your uh, surfer teen confronts fears, um, your uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Ah, it's garbage day, that kind of movie. Um, this one falls just to uh, the good side of the parabola, but at the lower end of that bell curve. Because there were some funny moments. I remember laughing at one or two points. And honestly, the the cinema not cinematography, but maybe the set dressings were believable at points. Like when they were in the 
medieval times. I kind of actually believe that they were in medieval times. Yeah, it didn't look like a fake set. It looked like they actually went to a castle in England and filmed exactly. around it. So I kind of get a little... It, it was hard for me to like completely rag on it. But I don't necessarily agree with all the good points that Liz has. But at the same time, it's not like it's so bad it's good. It's just not great of a movie. But it's not a terrible movie. I would put it at a, a 2.5 or 3 on that parabola scale. I would consider it harmlessly inoffensive in the way that Christmas Hallmark movies are. In that you can put this on in the background. It's going to give the appearance of Christmas and all the right visuals. You might hear a couple songs or two. It'll give you that little wish fulfillment like, oh, how, how pretty she looks. And she always wears the very nice clothes. And... I wish I had that house. I wish I had this prince. And yeah, like how how does this school teacher have two houses? Yeah, not oh. just one nice house, but a second house, like an actual like house area, not just like a room. But it a helps house. when your parents are rich and die young, I suppose. I guess so. Uh, you know, just get out of the way syndrome. So, <laughs> but it's harmless enough. It's not a great movie, but it's harmless enough. And it... my favorite scene in that one is when she comes in to see how he's doing and she he's like, yeah, I talked to the lady Alexa and your magic box has so many things and I've been learning from and how to speak like this, dude. And she you says... that scene? That was one no, of the no, 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 no. And then she says, okay, well, I, you know, I, got, I have so many Christmas answers. There's so much to do. And it cuts immediately to both of them passed out, ordered pizza and popcorn around them, just, just the TV going. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. this is marriage. You found it. We did the exact thing tonight. You want to cook? Nah. Let's order a pizza, stay in our gym jams, watch some Letter Kenny, and that's just our night. Yes, dear listener, I have uh, uh, gotten this beautiful, beautiful woman to enjoy the awesomeness that is Letter Kenny. It's cutting and biting in the way that a good Gilmore Girls episode is. Does it rely a lot on punching and farts, perhaps? But there's something in there. There's a really big kernel of awesome surrounded by a lot of, of that stuff. I, there are some very lingering shots and some very attractive young ladies. I will absolutely give you that. But there's some also really witty shit in there. <laughs> so moving on to our second movie, a Disney Plus uh, streaming channel original. Noel. Oh. This one hurt me more. I liked it more. But overall, was a better movie. I liked it, it so much. But it still hurt worse. You have to explain yourself because one, Anna Kendrick is adorable. Two, Anna Kendrick is adorable. And three, Anna Kendrick is adorable. One, Anna Kendrick is adorable. Two, Anna Kendrick is adorable. Three, Anna Kendrick is adorable and they didn't use her proper. And she's the main fucking character in this movie. Bill Hader, one of our funniest actors in our in this generation, and they didn't use him proper. Billy Eichner didn't have one goddamn single funny line in this entire movie, and he had maybe 15 minutes of screen time. This movie had a lot of funny people, including What's-Her-Face from Airplane, who can be funny in smaller roles. I give you the movie with Ryan Reynolds where he goes back I think Just Friends is the title of that movie, uh, where he goes back to a small town and tries to impress a girl that he had a crush on in high school, one of his best friends. She was funny in that role. She is not funny in this role. In fact, she's pretty damn harmful in this role. We, so... We gotta talk about this then. So, so a lot of Christmas movies have like a, 
a spark of darkness in them, a smidgen of mean, that on second glance you're like, oh, that's just awful. And you realize it's there so that the sweet moments are all the sweeter. So let's talk Noel. Uh, Noel oh, is about... Uh, I mean, oh my goody gun drops. What the fluff? Uh, Noel is the daughter of Santa. And she and her brother love their father very much. And unfortunately, he passes on uh, in the middle of her brother's training to be Santa. And he has to be Santa like in six weeks. And even though he's been training his entire life, he just doesn't feel like he is uh, cut out for the task of this. So she being the, the woman whose job since her childhood has been to make people smile and to make pretty cards because that's all Santa says for her to do. By the way, there are many good Santas. This is not a good Santa. Not a good father either, but we'll get back to that. Um, Noelle's like, you know what? Just take, take, take a weekend. You know, you're probably so stressed. Just take a weekend. And then he runs away to go open a yoga studio. And she's like, well, I guess I have to go find him. Meanwhile, the entire North Pole blames her for telling santa to leave and that it's all her fault even though her brother is supremely incompetent as santa and you have this fish out of water story with her wearing all of her elf gear down in los angeles where it's way too hot and the reindeer and her elf nanny uh and she's trying to find her brother but along the way she finds herself and in a really really cool way she becomes santa because it's what she was born to do not because she's the eldest brother or whatever but because she has all the traits that makes a good santa she can speak a kid's language even when they can't speak or when they speak a foreign language uh, she knows what their uh, deepest darkest most uh, wonderful christmas wish is without them telling her and it's not even just for kids there's a point when like he's a guy um that is trying to help her he's like oh man my cell phone's dead and she's like ask that guy that guy's nice he'll he'll let you borrow a cell phone and like he he walks up, she walks up to him. She goes, "Hey, can we borrow your cell phone for just a quick second? And he's, "Uh, yeah, sure." And that's exactly what happens. And she's like, "You're gonna get that blah 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 that you want this year." And like it it that is a actually a very sweet and genuine moment. There are times when I have seen movies and it's like, "Man, this movie is great. If it wasn't for blah blah blah, they would have been about perfect." This movie is terrible, but. If it wasn't for some of these great moments, like what she is, what my beautiful wife here is describing, <laughs> it would have been absolutely awful. But these moments where she does, she talks to these people, and when she uh, discovers that she can kind of tell when people are naughty and nice, because she does see the other side, like a girl that makes fun of her best friend for no reason, like... Those are genuine. That's Anna Kendrick shining through this crap role. Um, and Bill Hader being funny at times. Like, they go to, like, a a, a silent retreat or a silent meditation hour. <laughs> and she's talking at him and talking. And he's, like, trying to mind to her that he has to be quiet. And he finally holds him out, like, a sign. It's like, it's a quiet meditation hour. That was funny. If it wasn't for this other rest of this movie that was crap... <laughs> This movie could have been good if they focused on this other area, like, maybe if they toned down everything else, or if they expounded on this stuff, it would have been but so I love, much better. But I love the message of it, though. There's so many good messages about it. One, female Santa, cool. But two, not because she uh, was eldest and was always going to be it, and she doesn't know if she can fit in the shoes, but rather she 
unbeknownst to everyone, is just so kind-hearted, she already exhibits all of the qualities that a Santa has to have. And at the end of it, she realizes, what makes me a good Santa? Well, here's the thing. I've just been out to the outside world, and there's a lot of people there who are suffering, like, terribly, and I got to meet them all, and we need to be better for them. We need to be good to them. And I think that's what kind of got me, tugged my little heartstrings. I started crying. You just looked at me inside. But for me, when she's like, you know, I don't know if it's the right thing to do, but I do know that I can do all this. And I think I've always wanted it, but I've been too afraid to say it because it wasn't the norm. Well, I'm not disagreeing with that being, that should have been the message because in reality, it's kind of the message, but it's just like under all the rest of this crap. I don't know how best to describe it because I think what you mean is saccharin. No, it's not saccharin. I'm not, I'm not, well, I am opposed to the whole like the way they talk at the North Pole is stupid as hell, but the, the, these random other subplots that don't really go anywhere and are not really worth the viewer's time. The subplot of this private eye that she gets help from and his son is better acted and more, more genuine than all these other subplots. And I wanted to know more about it. And it only took up like five minutes of screen time. (laughs) Oh my garland, Aaron, you just need to be stopping such a grinch. So this movie, (laughs) another one, it's, it, it's not harmless, but the good parts can shine through the muck. So you, you, the viewer, might like it a lot more than I did, but it's hard to like a movie where a mother tells her daughter that she's the reason that Christmas is going to be canceled. Oh, yeah. Everyone at the North Pole is objectively terrible. They're all bad people. So it's really nice yeah. that we have one good person, Anna Kendrick, who manages to be a good person throughout it all. And then they don't really apologize for anything. No, they the never end. really do apologize to her for all the shit that they put her through. I mean, spoilers, but I mean, this this movie is... <laughs> I think that's going to be another Frozen 2. I like it because the, the a lot of the things that they talk about can kind of shine through the uh, in, ineffective presentation. I like the messages, just if that, they weren't presented effectively. I mean, like, I'm not disagreeing with you. The messages are really cool. Like, I like that Andrew Kendrick, Anna Kendrick's character becomes Santa. I like that. I like that a lot. And I like that it's not just... Oh, you're Santa. It's that it becomes nat or even when it naturally. does, even when it does come naturally, she still has to work at it. The entire night is just her trying and failing because she's never done this before, and is I have to keep working. I just have to keep going. Oh God, and there's a missed opportunity there. I won't spoil it. Well, I mean, we've already spoiled some things, but well, she we don't like how does she actually become Santa? There's there's a nice moment. I'm talking about the the, the funny moment they 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 um, left behind that they didn't really really uh truly attack the home of the jewish family (laughs) yeah oh that's right why couldn't they at least go oh well here's a menorah for you or she did do that with the buddhist man with the cell phone i thought they were going to do the similar thing with the jewish family yeah no that was an opportunity wasted (laughs) so but a movie that we both thoroughly enjoyed and that we have things to talk about with is Klaus. Oh, Klaus. Oh, Klaus. There's, there is everything to love about this movie. The voice acting, check. The animation, check. 
the characters. Check the story. Check the Christmas feeling. Checkity check, check, check. There is not a single thing wrong with this movie except for like one plot thing, but it's resolved in five minutes and they deal with it effectively. And it's not even a plot problem as much as a common cliche. There are, and when I say these are somewhat nitpicky, I mean these are somewhat nitpicky. Um, All you have have, to know is when we finished this movie, both Aaron and I were openly weeping furiously. This, this, before we get into any of that, this is a good movie. This is the best movie. If you stop this podcast right now, (laughs) or in Aaron just a second, know this. This movie is a good movie. Um, I love this movie. I thought, and this warmed the cockles of my heart. Your grinchy, grinchy heart. My 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 heart grew three sizes after <laughs> I, I watched that movie. We loved Arthur Christmas a lot last year, mm-hmm. enough to make it part of our Christmas canon. Klaus equally so. Exactly, I completely agree. Because, oh, and like I said, we'll get into all of that. Um, I want to jump into the sponsor dome before we truly dive into this fantastic movie fair enough enter the sponsor dome two sponsors enter one sponsor leaves so um i'm gonna go ahead and do our reigning champ first um and that is of course uh audible.com audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title free and start listening it's that easy Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Remember, that is T-O, not the numeral, numeral two. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. We are actually going to recommend two books to you today. Tell, tell us a little bit about it, and you go first. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Yeah, because we have been gone a whole month, we figured we should give you two options on Audible to try, depending on whether you think that me or Aaron have better taste. I won't tell you what to pick, but hopefully our description, stop it, will let you know which one is better for you. Uh, we are really big fans of Joke Book Float. And if you don't know what that is, it is this uh, festival of books and reading that happens in Finland come December. It's like... A holiday there the book catalog comes out and the whole country gets it and they go crazy buying books it's i think i want to live there before i die and we have started celebrating it by giving each other a book on christmas eve to read and also uh doing book exchanges with friends so everyone can try a new book that they never tried before um so we wanted to give you guys a couple options of books that you might want to listen to or pick or start reading come christmas eve just sitting by your loved ones by the fire or candle light enjoying a good book uh my book is a book that some of you may have heard if you're really big nerds like me it's called the name of the wind by patrick rothus it is a staggering 27 hours long but it is absolutely worth it for every minute this book is part of a as yet unfinished trilogy, but it is so good that it is already hailed as one of the finest pieces of fantasy and in all honesty, regular literature, even unfinished. Even as we all get madder and madder at Patrick Rothfuss for making something so good and not finishing it, we still love it enough and I still love it enough to recommend it. It was cursed onto me by 
friend of the podcast, Michael. And <laughs> sorry, Allie. Husband of Allie. Sorry, Allie and Michael, you can't escape us. We're talking all about you. And he said, I'm sorry, you're going to get really mad when you get to the end of the second book and realize there's no third one, but you need to read it. And I said, normally, I freaking hate trilogies because I don't like being left in a lurch. However, the name of the one is excellent. So is the sequel. And even though it is not complete, each book is a contained work. It doesn't end with the middle, with the hero falling off a cliff, like, will he live, will he die, come back to the next book. It's not like that. All the heroes are around the table, uh, joyfully uh, recounting their tales, but there's a shadowy figure outside the window. Who, who is it? That's a bit more accurate, yes. Oh, I was kidding. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, it is very rad, and I won't give away too much, uh, but basically, it's about a man who has tried to fade away from society uh, by running this tavern on the outskirts of nowhere, uh, recounting the stories of his youth, how in just a short, really short amount of time, only 10 or 20 years, he somehow made himself the most powerful, strong, and crazy magical man in the entire world, and then disappeared, and how that came to be, and why everyone cares that he's still around, and if he could still care that he's still around. It's wonderful and amazing. I can't recommend it highly enough. The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah, um, on Audible, it has been reviewed over 1,400 times, and it has a good solid 4.5 to 5 star rating. That's probably hard to do. Um, this is like the seminal text, and I had no idea this existed until someone told me. So I'm telling you, in case you haven't heard of it either. Spread the curse. Spread the curse. Well, speaking of spreading the curse, um, I have to spread the curse of knowledge that Dave Barry is a funny, funny man. Um, I first read Dave Barry back in middle school. I think he had a uh, short story in one of my uh, English texts. And he is hilarious he has a wit and uh a humor about him that is unmatched from anything else i have seen i have listened to some of his other books i have read some of his uh other short stories and uh some of his other pieces that he's submitted to uh, other places and i've even watched his one and only movie which may or may not be something i want to do later on down the line <laughs> but I recently read um, a book that came out in, uh, I think, 2011-2012, and it is called Lunatics. It is by Dave Barry and Alan Zweibel, and the reason there's two authors is because there is two narrators, um, and it is told with two different voices, and um, the audiobook on well, sorry, on Audible, is actually narrated by Dave Barry himself. So it would be interesting to see how he does both of the uh, the voices, if you will, or the both of the narrators. I think uh, as a performer, he's uniquely qualified to read his own book. So many wouldn't be, but I think he is. When I say this story goes from two men in a simple altercation to deciding the fate of the free world... I, I, I am not exaggerating. It is insane how this story rolls out and how it is so hilarious at each t twist and turn that these men get caught up in every little thing and even predicts the future a little bit. And I hate 
that that is true but it is and i want to pass this curse along to to you as well aaron tried cursing me with this book my reading tastes are different than aaron's which i appreciate because it means we can bring different perspectives to things i did try reading lunatics because you recommended it so highly to me and uh, while i will admit that it is hysterical and funny for me it's really hard to read a book where you can't empathize with at least one of the characters we can't be like well they may be a bastard but they have a heart of gold or they may be a jerk but i sense redemption within them as far as i could tell for the portion of the book that i read uh none of them were <laughs> neither of them were redeemable in any conceivable way and i don't think they're meant to be so if you're the kind of person who enjoys like steve martin movies and is okay with people being asshats to each other like there's a there's a there's a comedy in that and i totally respect that for me it was really hard to read these two men just being jags yeah it is um i there is one of them is who is a little bit a better of a person but he still can be a little bit not necessarily irredeemable at times but it is it is very obvious that they're both kind of they have different moral codes, if you will. So it is, but honestly, if you have ever read anything or heard anything by Dave Barry and like him in the slightest, check this book out because it because Alan Zweibel is a good author as well. Um, I've been starting to collect some of Dave Barry's stuff. You have a whole big, yeah, it's R.L. Stein and Dave Barry that you've got collected in the library. I would say R.L. Stein is my childhood author. Um, uh, Ian Colfer is my teen author. Dave Barry is my adult author. So, uh, absolutely, those are our two recommendations to you uh, this week. Our other sponsor is that uh, getting us a new library shelf pitch that I mentioned earlier because I'm still a fan of that. I I wish <laughs> no. Our uh, other sponsor is um, actually going to be a group that I'm a part of that uh, is all about the free exchange of presents. In years pe previous, I have participated in Secret Santas. Um, I, there's one year I was a part of four different ones, and that one got a little hairy. Uh, this year, I decided to be a little bit conservative and only do two. I did one with a uh, small work group, and in, in the other one, I did one that is open to all Missy Science Theater 3000 fans. And this one, people have gone above and beyond. Um, I saw one where a person told them that they love, uh, I think it was the uh, Houston Astros, and they got them like six different things of the Houston Astros. My person uh, is going to get a couple different things along with some homemade cookies and then something else entirely that isn't necessarily bought that was given to us that we're hoping to spread the quote-unquote joy uh, as it goes on. Well, but, Aaron, if they are fans of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and want to be part of Gift Exchange, where would they go to find this? It, it is actually uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 Gift Exchange on Facebook. I, it might be a closed group, but you should you absolutely can ask to join. Um, if you are uh, the Mystery Science 3000 3, MST3K and Rift Tracks fan on Facebook, there is a group member called Deanna Dolphin who is who is in sole charge of this of this secret Santa exchange and she does phenomenal work but to hop back on to our christmas movie of klaus klaus let's talk quickly about the plot and then what we loved about it what we thought could improve um and then our advice 
Sounds we'll hit, good, babe. Hit on those points. Sounds good, babe. So let's start with the plot of this bad boy. Reinterprets the Santa mythos in a way that feels familiar yet refreshing. It's told from the perspective of this spoiled son of the postmaster general who couldn't care less about being a postman, would much rather just live off what his father's money has got for him. And to try and wake him out of this, his father sends him all the way up to a little remote fishing village on the other side of the world called Smearinsburg, where he has to deliver at least 4,000 letters. And if he does this, he will be allowed to come back home. So our postman is very spoiled, very selfish, uh, and still somehow very charming in a way that only a spoiled, pompous, charming asshole can be. And he arrives in Smearsburg to find that no one says letters because no one's anything to say to each other because they're all in this Hatfield McCoy duke em up two warring families uh, turf war, basically, since the dawn of time. Uh, while he's there, he comes across this mysterious woodsman who, if you know anything, is like, oh boy, well, it looks like Santa, but a really terrifying Santa played by J.K. Simmons, which makes it all the more terrifying and all the more lovable. And... In a selfish attempt to finally get uh, out of this town, he encourages the children of the town to write letters to this woodcutter who has tons of toys just sitting to waste in his workshop, and he will send the letters to him, and then he will help the woodsman deliver these presents. And he can keep this charade going as long as possible until he has the letters. But of course, he starts to find his heart and soul and compassion humanity the more and more time he spends with these kids and uh, and Santa, as it were. And then the more time that happens, the better the town becomes. The nicer they are to each other. The warring stops and ceases until finally the two main heads of these families like this can't be let's have a peace to bring back the war which is the most amazing bigoted thing i can possibly think of which is why it worked so well it is a kind of it is absolutely the kind of thing that stuck in the head that stuck in the sand people would do to keep and preserve their way of life by any means necessary that's pretty much the gist of it you get to see things like how did santa get his red suit and why did he start delivering um but it's all told through this new kind of perspective of this postman making up the mythos as he goes because he's pretty much the one creating it at this point the plot again has that very small thematic you lied to me well it's not like that i changed you see oh i never want to talk to you again storm off fight that always happens before the climax of a movie which is annoying but it's resolved very quickly and it isn't really a big deal in overarching terms of the story so let's talk about what made us three seconds into this movie say, I love this movie. And that's the goddamn 2D animation. It's 2D animated with computer assistance. And there have been movies like this in the past, but not to this level. Not like this. it is fully hand animated to an extent. Um, It's got, basically the animation is fully hand uh, drawn, but then it has CGI lit. It is lit, yes. Uh, or CGI lit, and that alone is mind-boggling awesome because there are things that CGI can do better than hand animation, and there are things that hand animation can do better than CGI. But the fact that the that you can somehow marry the two together and get this gorgeous absolutely beautiful animation and look and 
everything like that down oh man this this has to be a sign of something bigger i want to talk to you about that because i think it is they Klaus obviously costs a lot of money and there's a reason that films aren't 2D animated anymore because it costs a lot of money and it doesn't always make that money back whereas CGI, cheaper to make, quicker to produce, can make more money. I've never been a fan of that as the reason. I like innovation but the reason why I want to talk about the animation so much is because of our director who is Sergio Pablos. And with talking about the animation, um, when we watched a trailer on Netflix, whenever that first just popped up, I remember looking at this and going, that's the Doctor from Treasure Planet, one of Liz's favorite movies. And you didn't believe me at first until we watched another review of this, and they said specifically that he was a character animator for that same Doctor. Yes, that's exactly what I want to tell you about Sergio. He worked on the Disney Renaissance films. He worked on Aladdin, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Tarzan, Treasure Planet. Yes, his style is absolutely like that. Was he the, uh, uh, did he do any work with the Cyclops? Because for some reason I see the Cyclops in my head when I think of Hercules. No, but let's play a guessing game. What character do you think he worked on animating for the Hunchback of Notre Dame? The Gargoyles. No. You get three guesses. That's your first. Uh, Kevin Klein's character. <laughs> Phoebus, no. Oh, Last um... guess. Something with a lot of movement. The goat? Judge Claude Frollo. Really? Mm-hmm. I was not expecting that. All right. Hercules. I, I said the Cyclops. Not the Cyclops. Um, it wouldn't be the CGI. Hades? Yes. Ooh, he did that's Hades. A shot in the dark. That's a very good guess. You've already guessed that Treasure Planet was D- uh, Dilbert Doctor, Dilbert Doppler. So, last one Tarzan. What do you think? Kerchak. No. Oh. That was a... The jaguar. No, but would oh. that be great? It is an animal. Last guess. Uh, the elephant. Yes! Oh! <laughs> great job. So two out of three ain't bad. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, so before all this started with Klaus, Sergio worked as a character designer. Actually, his very first job in animation was on a goofy movie <gasps> doing what a character designer so i think you love him i do love this man as much as we love chris sanders i think you love sergio pablos i think sergio pablos has become my number two uh, under chris sanders and some other people but mm-hmm. are at least under some people but Klaus is definitely an apology for Minions. Because if, if you didn't know, he directed Minions. He the... created the Despicable Me movie franchise because he had an original screen story called Evil Me in his own art. And he literally just walked this around Universal until somebody picked it up. So he was he was just the creator of the story idea. If you remember, the first movie was cute. Loved as it. Fuck. Even the so Minions were bad in that point. Yeah, absolutely not. It yeah. was the sequels that made it kind of... Yeah, that's a studio taking an, a side character and magnifying it to its own Goliath of marketing. I don't blame him on that. Um, but yes, the animation. What you are describing, Aaron, is uh, Pablo's literally saying, 
what if we hadn't switched to computer animated films? What if 2D animation had kept evolving this entire time? What would it look like? So he was looking at the idea of volumetric lighting, which is what we talk about, how it's all hand-drawn, but lit with this volumetric three-dimensional style. So he's saying literally, if we never had 3D animation, how could we use technology today to enhance 2D animation because that was all we had? Uh, and you know, there's all sorts of cool things like the deep canvas technology that Tarzan and Treasure Planet used, and even View and the Beast used CGI effectively in its, you know, in the Pixar's very, very baby step days of using CGI. Because there's CGI in Aladdin and Hercules. I mean, CGI has its great places and great uses, but with this kind of thing, this is where it is. There's times when things are just kind of haphazardly thrown together, and there's things when time, or sorry, there's times when things just magically just work perfectly, they seamlessly come together. This is one of those times. I didn't realize that this was hand animated until after the movie came out, we were watching another uh, review on this. That's the crazy thing. It feels 2D in a way that even flat 3D does not. It is literally the plastic, the squash and stretch of our characters. When you watch Frozen and Frozen 2 or Tangled, the characters all have emotion and likability and movement, but they are not squashing and stretching. They still have to fit their mold. They still have to look pretty when you freeze the frame. Yeah. It's impossible to unless get the life. Uh, unless it's Hans getting punched in the face. Yes. So I've seen that, that screenshot over the where it's literally his face getting punched and his face is wrapping around her fist. Which is fabulous. And that's why you don't pause movies, kids. But there's a reason this thing looks 2D. Even with all its 3D bells and whistles, the reason the thing looks 2D, and that's because it's drawn. And drawing on a paper is so much, it's so different than hanging a character on a frame. It, it's always going to be different. You don't, you're not limited. You aren't limited and you can do literally anything. And I don't even think it was drawn on paper. It, the, it's hand animation. Just drawing. Just the dr act of yeah. drawing as opposed to the act of modeling. And I do want to say I'm not ragging on CGI animation. I really, truly am not. Because we have seen some of the greatest 3D uh, 3D animated movies that have come out to date. Uh, because, hell, even, um, whatchamacallit, like, wasn't Breadwinner a, because um, I know we're going to talk about that. We are going to, yeah, just a moment, but uh, Breadwinner was 2D animated. Was Are you sure? Well, maybe, like, the backgrounds weren't, but our figures. So, again, the question is, was it started in 2D and then realized 3D, yeah. much like Paperheart? which we both love, and it has the quality of hand-drawn animation while still being crafted in a three-dimensional world. And they even talk about that in the animation department. Like, that was the idea. How do we capture it? Mm -hmm. It's so different. It's so beautiful. And there's, there's some amazingly animated things in 3D. Like, everyone's trying to go realistic. Don't go realistic. Go better. Believable. Believable. Believable is always more important than realistic. And I think Disney's going to realize that really soon. The you asked me before, can two D animation continue? And I think this is showing that it can. This was the first Netflix animated movie, and now they already have three other movies greenlit. Uh, we've got Guillermo del Toro doing Pinocchio. Before and yeah, the there was a whole thing about this because there was a bunch of animators, including some huge ones like Guillermo del Toro. Um, talking about how they want to bring animation to Netflix, like some really good animation to Netflix. Yeah, the fact that Guillermo they're... Toro, the guy who did, um, oh, El Tigre. Um, yes. The, that guy, you know, he also did um, 
the the Day of the Dead, not Day of the Dead, but the that movie that we liked, um, the one at Coco, the Book Holmes, of Life, the Book of Life. Yes, he's going to be doing something I'm sure uh, soon. But I'm I I'm hoping Klaus is a great step forward. So, but continue because I know you're you're sitting on pins and needles. I think I know who it is, but go ahead. Yeah, I think you'd know too. Um, we also have Chris Williams, who uh, was Big Hero Six guy. Cool. Uh, he's doing a movie called Jacob and the Sea Beast. Uh, My Father's Dragon. For any of you lovers of fantasy, when you were children, this is probably one of those books you just had on the shelf because it's been around forever. Uh, but it's being uh, illust- sorry, animated by Nora Tuomi, who was the person who made the breadwinner, and is being done in Ireland because that's Ooh. the create that's the people who made it. Yeah. Um. Finally, we have a movie called Over the Moon uh, from a studio called Pearl Studio in China and the legend, the man, Glenn Keane. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Mm. It doesn't make it any less sweet. I know. It's so good. That's the thing. That's such the crazy, crazy thing. All these beautiful, wonderful animators still around, still pushing the technology of their field in a way to create animation in a way that... I, I hope, I hope against hope that one day people will be like, animated movies don't have to be just for adults or just for kids. There is such a difference between a family guy and uh, little Einsteins and then the breadwinner. Like, the breadwinner is art, regardless of what medium you put it in. And it's important not only for the story it's telling, but for how it chooses to tell it. Like uh, the movie Loving Vincent, mm-hmm. that was a beautiful way to use animation. It was a non-traditional animation for t- uh, format, too. Hundreds it- of thousands of original oil paintings to literally create a flip book of Vincent's life. It's it's mind-boggling the amount of work they put into that. And it it does really break my heart because I know that animators don't have job security because the system is not built that way. No. And it, it makes me so sad. The arts, the arts in general, um, illustration, graphic design, animation, anything that is about what you see visually and how it impacts you in your life is treated like some second-class thing when that is all we absorb all the time is entertainment. All the time. And it's so weird to see these people who are literally pushing the bounds of what we think about the earth around us not have the security it's 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 heartbreaking in a way because you know i love animation i love when it's done well and done right you know i i've been a huge fan of cartoons since i was a kid and you know and seeing something like this and you know and then seeing the wit and the humor behind it because there have been some wonderfully animated things out there that i'm like this is well or really nice to look at, but man, it kind of sucks. Like I loved uh, <laughs> Eight Crazy Nights for the longest time because I liked the music for the most part, and the animation is beautiful. The story kind of sucks, <laughs> and you know it took me growing up and you know a nostalgia critic review to realize, yeah, it does kind of suck. I probably hate it less than he does, but still, like animation is such. A great format and I, I'm lucky now that on uh, LinkedIn I'm actually connected with some of these uh, animators like including a gentleman who worked on X-Men Evolution and that was a great animated show back in the day and that was one that kind of pushed the bounds some too and it's just like 
this is a format that has to grow and evolve with the times, but it doesn't necessarily have to be just 3D because Princess and the Frog wasn't the best story-wise, but... Gorgeous the, animation. Gorgeous. Like, I got to meet the animation director for um, Dr. Facilier uh, from Princess and the Frog, and he talked about his process and how he worked on Space Jam and how that was a huge thing and interesting you bring up space jam a lot of people are wondering if that will be how we can continue 2d animation into the future if we roger rabbit it if we space jam it if you have 2d characters existing in a three-dimensional world uh i think there is an argument for that because those two while you know and even the looney tunes when they uh back in action um those movies perhaps are like not critically acclaimed but everyone knows about them no one doesn't well, know about space jam <laughs> roger rabbit is still held in such high esteem especially with animators because they use a term called bump the lamp that came from roger the rabbit because they went the extra mile with all of those characters interacting with real life things they're like because they've done this kind of stuff before where they've animated cartoon characters in real life but they never really had them interact with humans or with real life uh uh objects in roger rabbit the people were like nah fuck that <laughs> we're going to do everything including having roger rabbit bump this lamp and he actually bumped the lamp and it was and it made everything look realistic so animation yeah. like you can even go all the way back to snow white freaking snow white the progenitor of all and you can see exactly where animation succeeds and where it fails because walt literally had them essentially rotoscope the actress for snow white draw her like they were just tracing her and while it's technically competent it doesn't it pales so much pales in comparison to the dwarves who have all this personality and movement because it's not being based on a person that exists in our physical world that's why roger works so well is that they have to exist in this world but they're also still wacky zany cartoon characters that can move faster than human thought which is what animation should be used for and it's like the 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 video game animations where you can obviously tell it's you know a, a very specific actor or even a very specific celebrity and sometimes the animation is not done that well because they're trying to run it through a video game or they're trying to run it through these simulations we're or trying these... so hard to jump the uncanny valley and i don't think it's worth jumping because if you can cgi a person perfectly why didn't you just film the person? Yeah. What are you what are you doing? If they have to behave realistically, like a lion behaves realistically, they then can't jump around and sing because then they don't look realistic. You've written yourself into a corner. How are we still talking about the new animated Lion King? Maybe because the the uh, effects studio just closed down. I know though. See that's that's the thing. The effects studio that made the new Lion King that sold billions, billions of tickets and saved the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie out of business. Oh, Gone. It's, that is... They did that. They did all the work and it's just over for them. That's, that's what irks me so much. We have a beautifully 2D animated movie that makes use of 3D technology to tell the story in a new and compelling way to, as they even say in the interviews that they've done, traditional animation sometimes looks like stickers on a painted background. 
how can we fix that? We have the technology. What can we do to make it so everything integrates together? And they do that in Klaus. Everything looks like it could move at any time in a way that you couldn't do with early 2D animation because you just literally couldn't animate the entire frame that would have taken millennia. It was impossible. But now with this with this uh, technology, you in looking through these just these very quick little two second scenes of showing the animation process and how like they'll go through the normal hand animating process and then show like how quickly the the lighting and everything like and how that used to take forever and it's just like it's two easy steps now it's like we can do this there has to be a way to make it easier and more reliable for our animators to say, look, Disney isn't the only one doing this thing. It doesn't have to be the only one, and there's a way to do it effectively from different voices. To have a freaking Spanish-American studio and director come in and say, I have an idea for a story about the origin of Santa Claus, and they shopped it for four years because studios were afraid to take a risk on it. And I get it, because animation's expensive, and this story might just not work. However, we have kind of gotten away from the entirety of why the movie is important. We talk about animation. This movie this, is this important movie. because of its, the character that they choose to tell a story through. His growth is important. Usually, Santa doesn't have a growth arc. He's, he's always been nice. And if he starts off Unless, a jackass or, and then becomes nice, it's like, oh, do we really want that kind of person doing this? Or uh, here comes Santa Claus, where it shows the actual growth of Santa. Or it's the Santa Claus, where it's the Tim Allen movie. Yeah, this one, the growth is through this selfish, selfish character who, through his own selfishness, actually improves the world around him and proves that good deeds multiply. It's so easy to be mean, and it's so easy to be cruel, and it takes real effort to be nice, but that's what's going to affect positive change in the world around you. I know we've used this in the past where we looked at the Metacritic score and we're like, oh my god, look at what all these critics are saying. Um, first off, fuck what these critics are saying because they, they, they go a lot with the story beats and they say like, a strong first act and third act don't make up for a, a very weak second act that just goes beat by beat where the story think you should go. I love the second act. I'm, I'm like, I adore it. I, I, I actually look, I'm like, no, I felt compelled to watch every single scene in this movie, no matter what, what act it was in. It didn't matter what was happening in the scene. I wanted to see what was happening. There were some weak points to this movie. Do not get me wrong, but it's not the the story could be stronger, but it's going from a very solid B minus to B plot to making it to an A plot. I, I don't know how there there is some things you can make it better, but not much. Not much. That's why you know it's because, one, people were mad, so we stopped doing it. But two, the reason I, I wanted us to stop doing, like, literal scores for the movies we watch is because I feel like rating is such an inherently flawed system. Every movie exists in its own space. And it's such crap to say that Klaus and both Casablanca have the same rating. They're not the same movie. How It doesn't make sense to do that. Even if they're both good, they're both good for entirely different and separate and important reasons. And the the biggest thing is is this movie is genuine throughout every interaction that you see, and 
there is so many times when it could easily have been no it will we'll make the child actors into not actual child actors they'll be a bit older or something like that or we'll make we'll just throw some random actress in here the flavor of the week no we'll choose rashida jones who was a phenomenal actress especially voice wise and we'll choose a fantastic booming voice actor in J.K. Simmons and mm. and even Jason Schwartzman, who can be that just whiny, nasally little pissant at times, but can find the nugget of people. And there are issues with this movie. I don't. I love Joan Cusack. I love her, and she can actually be a fantastic voice actress. If you need any more reason than Jesse from Toy Story Two, mm-hmm. you like you you're an insane person. Her but, voice was a little young for this old haggard crone that leads one of these families. Either they needed to do something more. She, she, her acting in this role was not bad. It wasn't unbelievable. It was that she just sounded too young for this old crone that she was voicing. Because, like in Emperor's New Groove, where which this movie has been compared to in a couple different ways, Eartha Kitt had that rasp, had that. That just that natural kind of growl, uh, the little bit of a growl that her voice had. Made to be Yzma. Made. Made to be (laughs) Yzma. But Joan Cusack doesn't have it. I don't know if you could have added something to it. And her timing is all impeccable. Yeah, exactly. Like, she was funny. Genuinely funny. And Will Sasso, as the head of the other family, Will Sasso was funny. Will Sasso was funny as hell. Skinny or not, or fat or not, whatever. He is funny. And he has great timing as well. This was one of those times where it's like, he was funny, but I don't know if this was the right role for him. So, I, but those are the only kind of two miscasts. Everyone else, including the child actors, where you could have easily skimped. They did a really great job. Fan-fucking-tastic job. Timing. Timing. Timing can make or break a movie, and this movie had its timing down to the millisecond. Which, again, comes down to your animation team, comes to your voice delivery, your editing. There was a moment at the beginning of the climax of the third act where a joke was made. I will not spoil it. And we had to, we had to pause the movie. We had to stop it because we were laughing so hard we were missing out on the rest of the entire movie. It was so choice. We, yeah, we had a we. Ha, I'm like, I I started laughing. I did not stop until about a minute later, and we had to rewind because I was laughing so hard because it was so funny and so well delivered. It was so good. The color palettes on this thing, gosh, are they amazing? This entire time, he's trekking his way through the wilderness to get to this sea shanty town where it's all grays and snows never has snow looked more depressing than when he first comes across smearinsburg and it's just the saddest ugliest place in the world and then literally by the end of it not through anything but making sure that everyone's nicer to each other that they don't throw things at each other all the time they transform this town just through their kindness into this beautiful haven that you wouldn't want to leave. And he doesn't even like, it's, and it's not even like a huge thing where he's like, hey, um, these kids, you, you like, if you're naughty, you're not going to get toys and you, therefore you're going to be like put on the, the, this big old naughty list. He doesn't say it to all the kids. He just says it to one kid and it ripples. And they're like, we've got to be nice. 
well, maybe we should do other things to be nice. Maybe we shouldn't just be nice in general. Maybe we should like help people out. And they start helping out their own families and other families on the other side. Like there's like one kid who like um, uh, shovels, shovels the snow on, yeah. and, and then the other one that picks the berries for the women or that normally they steal the berries. And then in turn, she hands hey. the jam. <laughs> And then comes back, she has hate-baked a pie for this woman. Like, well, since you gave me these fucking berries, here's a fucking pie made out of your fucking berries. Like, it's... I hope you like it. I know. And the, Oh, my God. The man's fixing a hole in his fence, and he falls, and all these other kids from the other side of town come and help him, and he's just frowning in his chair, but then he opens his mouth for a spoon of soup. And when you go back to them, he's literally taken the wood that he was going to fix the hole with and has built a playground for all of the children. It's... They're all beautifully oh, interwoven in. There's so much so... heart and sadness. The origin for this oh, Santa and why his house is filled with toys tore me apart. Well, we're definitely not going to spoil it. No, that, absolutely but, oh not. Oh, God. It is, it is heart-wrenching and beautiful Ugh. and well done. And, it's, and, it, and they, they kind of they slowly introduce that and... And um, Jesper, uh, the the main character, he doesn't like he doesn't immediately come into him like, oh my god, children! I have to be a good guy now. He's he's kind of a jackass throughout most of the movie, and it is so well done. Hell, I don't like Norm Macdonald. He's kind of a jackass in real life. He was funny in this movie, so I I I think we have. Talked enough. Oh, one more thing, okay. which I think you'll like, and then we will get to our advice. Yeah. Um, so we talked about Frozen 2, how they really tried to fix that whole indigenous culture problem with just appropriating the song for the opening of Frozen and then never oh. again. And then Frozen oh. 2 actually gives them a whole story arc. Klaus is talking about the same Sami people. The little girl Margu, who doesn't speak the same language, those are the Sami people yeah and i think that's just so very very rad they actually wanted the, the same people to speak english but they're like no no they wouldn't on. they would speak their own language and, and they actually have to sit down and oh that's something else you reminded me of something else I really, really uh, liked. we love this movie so much <laughs> um so uh so at one point uh jesper is trying to understand this little sammy girl who is adorable margu um and he takes her to the local t uh, teacher who has already been introduced by this point. Um, her name is Alva. And she is just trying to get out of this town because they brought her here to teach and none of the kids come to school because they're all fighting. So she's been fishmongering this entire time just saving up money ready to get out of this town. Why would uh, their parents put their children in the same class as their enemies? Because then it would be an opening for them. So it, it, it's just, you know, very backwards thinking. And she's... And it what what I really, really like is that she doesn't immediately, like, get warmed up to the teaching idea, you know, or, like, to possibly teach. They keep people. coming day after day, and she keeps ignoring them. And, like, are we are we going to learn something today? She's like, if I teach you something, will you leave? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay, here's how you spell your name. <gasps> I don't want to spell my name. Me too, me too. And she's like, oh. Oh, I remember um, this. Okay. I remember this feeling. And you see her quarreling with the idea of whether she should spend all the money she was trying to get away with she spends everything everything she's saved to fix this schoolhouse and get supplies for the children gives up everything to help them it's so beautiful and, and it's and again 
it's not just thrown in your face. It's done piecemeal as it should be. It's, it's, and it's shown, not told. It's, uh. So good. Ending. Fuck these Metacritics. <laughs> giving these, like, giving, it's a 63 on Metacritic right now. Fuck them. Fuck that. Out of curiosity, you keep going. I just want to see what Frozen 2 has on Metacritic because... This is better than Frozen 2. Agreed. It should win the Oscar without question. It should be... If this is not nominated for the Oscar, I'm going to be pissed. Frozen 2 Metacritic uh, is also a uh, a 70. So they're saying this is in the same treehouse right now. Okay. Mm. I think this is better than Frozen 2 by and large. Yeah animation the animation for frozen 2 is great it's great there is some amazing moments in frozen 2 and the animation overall is great the problem is i'm now imagining what frozen 2 would have been like with the klaus technology and i'm losing my goddamn mind right imagine all the movies (laughs) beauty and the beast was no it's good can't touch that no (laughs) no i'm sorry sorry I, that, that's mean. I, I shouldn't just say, well, you can't and touch she, the things I like. And she's brought back down to earth. <laughs> no, I'm saying that it's really refreshing to see a new artistic animation technology being used in this way in a full-length production in a way that normally doesn't happen because usually you only have enough money and team power to do a short. Usually we only see different kinds of animation in the shorts that we watch for the Oscar season. Right, and yeah, I can't wait for the, the next Oscar, the uh, Oscar animated shorts because that's... Oh, those those are so much fun, and in all honesty, this is so much better than Frozen Two. It is heartwarming and heart wrenching, and yeah, it's got some stereotypical tropes, but you get past them. And I I will defend this movie. I want to watch it again because of how great the animation is, and I kind of want to watch it on Christmas Eve. <laughs> We might. We honestly might. There is so many great things about this movie. Watch this movie. Enjoy this movie. Our advice is what, Liz? Or your (laughs) advice is what, Liz? Okay. We'll start with mine. Thanks, babe. My advice is love what you have been given. I don't want to spoil Klaus's backstory, but there is something... I know, knife in the heart. But the the message I get from that is a man who, even when faced with adversity in his marriage, continued to love her no matter what. No matter what. There's something, it's so simple and yet so hard to be like, if there's a problem in this, it could tear us both apart. It should have. By all rights, it should, because it's a very hard thing to go through. But instead to say, you know what? I took you for better or worse. This is not to say that you can't ever screw up or I can't ever say don't do that stupid thing again. But to love someone so much and to show that love in so many ways, I think was for me the best advice I could have gotten about being in a relationship from this movie. Mine was originally going to be don't lie. But I think I'm going to go even a little bit more simplistic. And it's always listen to your partner. Because if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen this movie and you have a significant other and you know that there are going to be times 
when your partner is saying something to you and you just don't want to listen to them. And you want to ignore them, but sometimes they are telling you things that you should listen to. That's my advice, not only from this movie, but in general. Listen to your partner. It's a good thing we're not video recording this because we're making just the biggest goo-goo eyes at each other. (laughs) So don't watch Noel or Night Before Christmas if you want a new holiday classic. If you want something harmless enough, watch them, whatever. But if you want something that you're going to thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy, check out Klaus. I cannot recommend it highly enough. This movie's so good that if it ever gets distributed on DVD, I'm buying it. I don't care if it's already streaming. We are getting a copy. 600%. I don't care that Netflix has it. I want it. Blu-ray. I want it in my life. I want the Making It animation book. I know. I want frames from it i want this beautiful christmas life all in my house this is this is this year's arthur christmas i i can't describe it any better we sincerely hope that you have enough time to work this into your christmas celebration and remember christmas doesn't end on december 25th you still have 12 more days after that just go hog wild especially if you have the the holidays off so from our little family to your whatever size family (laughs) um we hope that you guys have a fun and safe holiday no matter what you celebrate we hope you celebrate with as much gusto as possible if we see you guys again before the end of the year Fantastic. If we don't, we will see you in the roaring 2020s. The Great Depression's coming back, y'all, and this time we have smartphones. We love you all. Have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Until next time, she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And we're married to the idea. idea.